0: So I think a lot of people, just because of our society, think PTs need to touch people to make them heal. So patients kind of have that preconceived notion coming in. So that's kind of why they give pushback.
1: So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour Podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer. And today, my special guest is Dr. Caitlin Hersog. Caitlin is the physical therapist here at our clinic, and she just celebrated her one year yeah. anniversary. Yeah. Woo. Yay! Audience, Was it the audience track? I Okay, so we are going to talk to Caitlin today uh, for a couple different reasons. One, because she's got a body of knowledge I want to unpack and share with you. Number two, some of the things she's been doing in our clinic are really awesome, and so I want to talk about that. Number three, we're going to talk about what we've been doing to transition our patients to telehealth and video visits this week, and how she's been successful, and I think We've had all of our pre-existing patients move into video visits this week, except maybe one, I think. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how to do that and how you can do it, as well as how to deliver a, an effective treatment via video. Mm-hmm. So, Caitlin, yes. um, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks. This is
1: awesome. I don't do many in-person. Um, oh,
0: yeah. Glad to be here.
1: So this is awesome. I think uh, the last time I did this was with Tyler, Derek, and John. Oh, so, wow. And you John, know all of those guys.
0: I know have to listen to John's now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so tell us um, a little bit about you. How'd you get into PT? And how'd you end up here?
0: Okay. So um, I've been an athlete my whole life. So I did soccer, volleyball, track, softball. I think that's it. But yeah. So um, throughout high school, I had back pain from supposed scoliosis, yeah. from what we know now. Who knows what it actually was? Um, but that was my first experience with PT. Then, graduated high school, went to college, and I was thinking about doing physician's assistant, but quickly realized I didn't want to, you know, over-medicate people. So, then I was like, hmm. I started powerlifting, got a shoulder injury from powerlifting, and then found myself back in PT, and I was like, oh, I like this, this is fun, I could see myself doing it. Shattered a bunch of people, was decent at it, so I was like, okay, this comes easy, let's go to PT school. Mm -hmm. And... I came and graduated PT school and kind of was in a mill PT clinic for my ortho rotations mm-hmm. and then listened to your podcast, was on your email list, and you were like, hey, I'm hiring. And I was like, okay, we're going to try this. And then here I am now, a year later.
1: Awesome. So tell me, you have in your dad is a PT or OT? or?
0: He's an OT. He's an
1: OT. Okay. Yeah. So is he doing anything similar to what we do?
0: Kind of. So not now. So he used to be an ergonomic specialist. Mm -hmm. So his job was basically preventing workplace injuries, mostly in factory workers. Mm -hmm. And then if anyone did sustain like a workplace injury, he would just do the rehab on site to save them lots of money.
1: Was your dad being an OT a reason that you didn't want to do PT early on or anything similar to that? Or did he have any influence on you?
0: surprisingly not it just yeah. kind of happened that way I didn't even think about it I was like yeah that doesn't sound interesting and then I picked PT and yeah. now he we just kind of talk rehab and it's funny because we both know the same things but we're like oh it's funny the turf war that they have in like skilled nursing where they're like we get the upper body right. and PTs get the lower body but yeah
1: one of my uh friends uh when I was getting started in my career as an OT and she was like yeah we learned how to weave on a loom. <laughs> <laughs> well in North Carolina we have a lot of uh you know Cone Mills is here. Yeah. So they had to learn how to weave on a loom in order to help their patients what? who were working in factories weaving on looms. That's
0: crazy. I'm yeah. going to have to ask my dad, did you have to learn how to do assembly line tasks? Because yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it's task specific. I think yeah. PTs could be better at that.
1: Well, let's see. So you are a power lifter. Like, how did you get into doing
0: that? So basically, I was a runner. Well, I had to run for soccer. I was mm-hmm. not a runner um, my whole life. And... I always hurt when running so in high school anytime I would run for soccer my ankles would hurt really bad so the PT that I saw at the time before my back just gave me orthotics and was like here this will fix the problem Mm -hmm. and it did temporarily but now I hurt running for different reasons but basically I got into college that's why I didn't end up doing club soccer so I was like well I want to be fit but I can't run what do I do and one of my guy friends was like, hey, you should just lift weights. It's fun. And that was what didn't hurt. And it was mm-hmm. fun. And I felt strong and more, like, empowered when I was doing it. And right. I just, like, fell in love with the feeling of, like, being strong and taking up space as a female. So yeah. we stuck with it. And, yeah. how,
1: you t- you t- how do you take up space as a female?
0: Ooh, I think the confidence helped me take a more space because I used to be a lot more shy than I was mm-hmm. now and I would like never say anything and now I'm a little bit more outgoing people say and they're like oh you're always so happy outgoing and smiling so I think it just gives you confidence because you're like oh I can deadlift 300 something pounds off the floor I can do anything and it pushed me outside my comfort zone which then translated to like in school and life stepping outside of my comfort zone. And then just taking up space because just a lot of like the media and society tells females, Oh, you need to diet, you need to be skinny, Mm -hmm. you need to be small, versus you're like building muscle in the gym, so you're like physically also taking up more space, right? Yeah, because
1: you can lift a whole lot more than I can,
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe, maybe.
1: Well, I I was gonna say, What
0: are your PRs?
1: uh, (laughs) That's a long way to lift the weights off the ground for me.
0: True, I I got a big
1: lever. And there's a lot of distance between my shoulders and hips.
0: I know, it's crazy. (laughs) I always hate the people shorter than me that can squat more than me. I'm like, it's not fair, you have shorter femurs.
1: Right, right. Well, you did the, um, you have a couple records in what, the sumo deadlift or something like
0: that? Yeah, the sumo deadlift, what, that's a, or was a national record as of Uh like two years ago. And then I had the squat bench. deadlift state records for new york okay
1: is that age weight class how do they define the different classes yes i don't know
0: yeah age and weight class and then i set the deadlift one because it was a drug tested one Mm -hmm. so we're all clean we're a clean athlete
1: (laughs) cool so was it sumo or conventional deadlift
0: sumo so conventional deadlift when I was, I hadn't done it in like two or three years yeah. before I started my job here. Like all of grad school, I didn't conventional deadlift at all. And then I was like, Ooh, I know I should be able to do it and it'll help my sumo. So I started doing it like two weeks before my job interview mm-hmm. here and it hurt my SI really bad. So yeah. then I came here and during my job interview, you and Tyler Bull treated me for that. Yeah. So that was all sumo conventional. I haven't maxed out yet. Uh-huh. So I want to okay. do that this year. Okay. Awesome. I want to hit a triple body weight. Yeah. Deadlift this year. Cool. So we'll see.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm just at like a little over body weight.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Aaron, we got you. You should try the sumo. You get to move the bar. I know. you only have to move it a half an inch. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: Even for me sumo, I got to move it like half a foot. You know.
0: Which one do you like better? Sumo or conventional?
1: I don't like sumo as much because my hips don't externally rotate super comfortably. And so I like a regular deadlift, but I prefer kettlebells anyways.
0: Wait, even though you're like a yogi, I feel like you have have really good mobility. mm Interesting.
1: No. My I've got good mobility in flexion, but not hip rotation. Hip flexion. Because I race bicycles. Oh. It's I like got good sense. hip flexion, yeah. decent hip extension. My hip rotation isn't. as great. It's oh. better yeah. in the last few years. Um, but uh it's not like it's so sumo is uncomfortable for me. Yeah,
0: that's crazy how much your body adapted to bike racing because like overhead yeah. stuff for you, yeah. isn't great. So if you're watching, yeah. like, it just stops,
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's improved. So, one of the things that I did to improve, and I, I don't know, I haven't figured out how to do this for my lower body yet, but swinging the uh swinging the mace and the yeah. um weighted uh the the mace and that um what the weighted bell, what's it called? Not the so the, you know, it's a mace and the um, weighted club. Oh, the weighted Doing club that one. has improved my front rack position this year when a lot of other stuff didn't. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, but that's what it was that did that. So I had to figure out how to do it with my legs. I was <laughs> like,
0: what's your secret? I don't know. You have to become, what is it, like the monkeys where they can just grab stuff with their feet? Right. You just had to be able to grab the club. Yeah, stand on
1: feet. my hands and... do that. <laughs> <like>, <laughs> yeah, I'll get there one day. Um, so what are you working on right now, like fitness-wise, just, you know, because... And the reason I ask is one, I want to know because I don't get to ask you these questions yeah. all the time. And two, it informs your physical therapy practice. So, what's your, what, what are you working on now? Like fitness-wise, what are your goals? Where are you competing, etc.
0: So, well, because of the current craziness, my upcoming meet got moved from the first weekend in April mm-hmm. to August, the weekend of my birthday. So, I was originally competing in that meet to qualify for American Open Series, mm-hmm. which is this huge national competition in Winston. So hopefully they postpone that Winston meet so that can still all happen. Right, right. So that okay. was the plan. Um, but basically over the past year, I switched to Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm to increase my mobility and because it's a lot more fun i think Mm -hmm. just because it's something besides squat bench and deadlift because you can just burn yourself out doing squat bench and deadlift for three years so eventually probably at the end of this year or after american open is done i want to start training for a super total meet which is Mm -hmm. where you compete squat bench deadlift uh, snatch and clean and jerk all on the same day. Okay. So you just combine both sports. Oh, wow. So you have to be really strong and really mobile.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So okay. that is like goals and then a triple bodyweight deadlift cool. at any time. And then I want to snatch my bodyweight and I think those are like the top goals. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. How far away are you from that? A
0: uh, of years? Let's see. Are we...
1: uh,
0: hopefully within the next year. If I was faithful, I haven't trained deadlift in like a year, mm-hmm. but I feel like my strength would come back relatively Better, and I feel like because I've gained better strength in like a high bar squat and conventional deadlift, mm-hmm. I'll come back stronger. So hopefully like by December, I should be able to hit that. Yeah. We'll see though, because I haven't deadlifted in a really long time. And then I'm like four kilos away from hitting a bodyweight snatch. Nice. So it's really close. Oh
1: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so back to uh back to the physical therapy.
0: There, physical therapy. This is a physical therapy Fitness business podcast. Therapy.
1: Tell me, um, when you started working here, what was the easiest thing for you to you know to figure out and what were the things that took you a while to like to get comfortable with? Ooh,
0: the easiest thing, I'm not gonna lie, was notes. Yeah. They're so much easier than I would say what is it, the Oasis thing for home health and just all of insurance forms Mm -hmm. because I hate those. So that was the easiest thing to hang up. I was like, wow, this is so much more lenient. I would say the hardest thing would be, can I pick three hardest things? Okay, so one is hands-on manual because I think in general, PT has just strayed a lot, I guess, more away from manual because you don't have the time for it. And like my school didn't really place an emphasis on manual. So they were all about tools, tape, that's kind of what's more trendy now. Mm-hmm. I think also the second part would be assessing for yourself and like not having that like bias of a referral. So all the mill PT clinics I would in would be in, you would get like the referral and it's like, treat them for low back pain. You're going to do all these things. Every low back person gets the same stuff and then they go do the same exercise. But here it's like, okay, I'm actually going to break you apart and see, oh, we actually need to treat your hip for your low back or... Right your T spine extension rotation for your low back instead of just, Oh, let's just release that QL scrape it a little bit and then go do some bird dogs in the corner. But yeah. And then third thing would be more of like that psychological component. Cause uh-huh. like in the MOPT clinic, you don't have time to talk to people. So I didn't really know that much about them or like all the stress in their life and how that like contributes to their pain and their like emotional state. Right. So. Right.
1: All right. Yeah. How'd you figure out how to get through those Like, what was the thing that got you to get to a point where you're comfortable with those things and delivering?
0: A lot of it was, like, putting in the reps. So, like, the Con Ed that you sent me to, so SFMA MFR Mm -hmm. 1 and 2, like, helped, but a lot of it was just putting in the reps and practicing with people. And then the more like psychological part of pain that's still like a work in progress Mm -hmm. because it's like you can only do so much as a PT so sometimes I have I have had to suggest like people gently referring them out some people give a lot of pushback because they don't think they need like mental health services at all um so there's that and then now we have a bunch of free pain science courses so we're going to do those this weekend because PTs are nice people so they're like Because of COVID, have some free resources. Right, right. I'm excited to dig in deep to that. Awesome.
1: Any one particular that you're signed up for or looking into or Yeah.
0: So Modern Pain Care, I think Mm -hmm. is what it's called. They released a free one, so I signed up for that. And then I think it's Jared Maynard through the Clinical Athlete. Mm -hmm. If you just go to Clinical Athlete, their website, they have a free one too. Awesome. Which is cool. Yeah. So get your free CEUs,
1: guys. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So before I move on to what we're one of the couple things I want to talk about. What has been the biggest in the last year working here? What's been the biggest insight or aha moment that you've had or thing that you've learned? Thing that I've learned
0: Hmm.
1: that's made the biggest impact on you as a person or your ability to treat as a physical therapist? Is there like one thing that you, I mean, maybe it's just been 50 of them,
0: but. I was going to say, there's a lot, a lot has happened in a year. I feel like your first year is like a big, whoa, here, welcome to PT Mm -hmm. and you learn a lot. No, but I would say, honestly, just like listening to people. So I think a lot of times we as PTs like try to fix people or we come in with what we think the problem is. But usually Mm -hmm. if you just ask the right questions and like listen enough, the patient will either like tell you what's the problem indirectly and they just don't realize it or it's like completely different than what you thought the problem was.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: What do you want to learn the most in the next year? Like where do you want to be a year from now?
0: A year from now? Ooh, I would say more working I guess my efficiency so kind of like having a high level athlete come into Mm -hmm. my clinic and they're like oh I tweak this thing while lifting and then I can just like work on that in one visit and they're good to go Mm -hmm. instead of because now I'd say I take like three probably um but also I guess having more tools in my toolbox for the pain science um and then a lot more hand and foot stuff yeah because that's really intricate so I want to refine those skills.
1: (laughs) Awesome! Get your dad to come teach us that in class, right?
0: I know. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, I've been working on asking him, but he just
1: yeah. Awesome. So what's been well? Let me just. I'll say this. You're really good at the sales that we do.
0: Yes. Right. That has been a skill. Yeah. Getting people to buy in.
1: Right. What did you have to do to get people to buy in?
0: Ooh. So a lot of it again. Putting in the reps, but also, like, making people, I guess, not even uncomfortable, but you, like, have to be okay with being uncomfortable with them. So a lot of times you'll ask questions that people, like, don't have the answers to, Mm -hmm. and people get uncomfortable when they don't have the answers. And also people really don't like silence, but they kind of have to sit with the silence so they can actually think of what the answer is and then be able to tell you. Mm -hmm. And also, once again, like, listening to people and helping them realize what they actually want. Because a lot of people think, oh, I just want pain-free. And it's like, well, no, if they only want pain-free and you get them pain-free, I don't know, say in, like, three visits, but you haven't fixed the problem, they still need to keep coming so you can fix the problem. And you need them to, like, see that. That way they do buy-in and keep mm-hmm.
1: coming
0: yeah. for the whole, like, plan of care. Right,
1: right. So what's the number one way you get buy-in from patients for that?
0: I would say usually like the before and after results Mm -hmm. of just like the top tier of the SFMA because that's something like tangible that they like see and understand right so like doing it
1: before you treat them and doing it
0: quickly after. yeah and then that and then also like constantly reminding them of their goals which is something I kind of got from Paul Goff because he's always Mm -hmm. just like they might be out of pain in like three visits, but say you need them to come for eight and it's like, oh, like you said you wanted to, you know, PR your mile time. Mm -hmm. Well, if you keep coming, we can do that. If you just quit now, you're not going to PR your mile time. And you told me in the beginning, that's what you really wanted. Right. Right. Not just pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's the number one question you ask people to get them to give you that information that they don't just want pain relief, but they want to be able to PR, their lift, or triple body weight, their snatch, or
0: whatever. So, this is something I did get from my dad, which is funny. So, people hate it, and I always hated this when my dad did it to me growing up, but you just have to be like, why, or tell me more. So Mm -hmm. they'll be like, I just wanna feel better. Well, well, why do you wanna feel better? a lot of people don't even know why, and then you just keep like, probably, and they'll be like, oh, I wanna feel better so I can like, be a better mom. Okay, well like, why do you wanna be a better mom? And then that's how you kind of get to the, like, more emotional reasons. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people also, they'll have, like, performance-based goals, but they're not actually really that motivated to do the performance-based goals. So you kind of have to figure out why, like, emotionally why they have that goal. Right. So a lot of them, it's like, I want more confidence, or I want to be a better example to my kids. So Mm -hmm. they'll, like, be a good human when they grow up. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, awesome. So tell me, so we'd see people... One person an hour, about 45 minutes of visit. Yeah. We do a lot of hands-on. We do some needling, do some, uh, some taping occasionally. We do a bunch of different things. Yeah. Right. Mostly, even if we're doing exercises, like, I got my hands-on person. Like, put your leg here, do this. Mm-hmm. So now that uh, even this, it's been pretty much since Monday yep. that we've been doing, we've basically said, because at the time of this recording, it's March 27th. Yeah. So uh, in North Carolina, the governor, what was it three days ago, sort of implemented the stay at home. Was it the stay at no, home? I wasn't a stay at home it's order. So it was a something <laughs> else. <order>. But anyways, <laughs> so we couldn't. As of as of, I'm trying to get my timeline right. I think it was as of earlier this say. week. We couldn't do, Wednesday. We couldn't do massage therapy. Yes. But at the beginning of the week, we had already said we're not. We can't do massage. We weren't going to do yeah. massage therapy. And we could still be doing physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Andre and I kind of, it, it came to the conclusion Sunday night that like, we shouldn't be doing massage and we should probably be moving to telehealth just even to give us some breathing room to figure out what's going to happen. Yeah. Cause I just got off uh, 10 days of trying to pivot PT BizCon and it, you know, it was like all of a sudden Sunday night. So we've moved to almost all telehealth a week and a half ago. We already had zoom set up and we yeah. knew it was going in this direction. We got to the end of this week and I think we basically had one person not want to do their appointment this week or maybe two. Monday, I think we had people move from Monday to later in the week because they had work meetings.
0: Yeah. That was, oh wait, no, that was last week. Was that
1: last week already? Yeah. Oh my God, my brain Last Monday, (laughs)
0: yeah, (laughs) I'll give you the previous time. Last Monday, a lot of people, that's kind of when everyone was like, oh crap, COVID's actually a thing in the US. Mm -hmm. We actually should be worried. So a lot of companies were freaking out and everybody got stuck in meetings so, everybody moved from Monday to Friday. That was last week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then this Monday, the governor announced that all of the gyms, hair salons, massage therapy places all had to close on Wednesday. Yeah. And then, like Tuesday night, Wednesday morning is when they're like, okay, stay at home order for Friday. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good. So, we've almost been ahead of it a little bit. Probably this. Andra's intuition is really strong. <laughs> she really knows yes. what we should be doing. She's
0: so intuitive. And she
1: was like, "Aaron, you need to move the PT BizCon to like a virtual something. You need to yeah. do And I was like, you're right. I just don't want to make these are hard. some of the hardest decisions I've had to make in years. Yeah. But getting to the end of this week and not having a lot. I mean, there are clinics out there that are like we shut the doors. We're closed. Yeah. You know, laid off staff. You know, businesses have laid off people. Mm-hmm. How, what did you do this week? What was the conversation like you had with patients? What was the, and, and then like, how did we keep people on the schedule? Like, what was the, like, how did that work? I want people to know because this episode's going to go yeah. out in seven days. And so it's going to okay. be right where yeah. people need it. Yeah. So what was it that, what is it that you said to our patients and how'd that conversation go? What did that, what was that process like for you?
0: So a lot of it was on like a case by case basis. And we definitely changed a lot throughout the week. So at first, because everything was rolling out so soon, uh, Amber, our front desk um, staff, was just emailing people basically for just the very next day because that's mm-hmm. all we had because my week was really front-loaded this week. I would say a lot of our monthly like membership people, so all our wellness warriors, mm-hmm. were perfectly okay with it. They didn't care. They're like, we know Caitlin's good. It's fine. A lot of our newer clients were kind of skeptical at first so the phrasing that uh amber would use on the phone with them is let's just use today as like a test trial run Mm -hmm. just to make sure you have connectivity and then dr caitlin will just like give you an overview of what your treatment session will look like Mm -hmm. if you want to like continue treatment if you're already connected that's great you guys can talk about that or you can just reschedule for later in the week and we'll (laughs) give you that full appointment yeah. So with one person, they were pretty cool with it and they were really skeptical at first. So I was like, listen, let's do a half hour this week. We'll do a half hour next week and call it one, you know, visit. And she was because like, okay. She had okay. paid
1: in full, I think, right? Was this person Yeah, had she had paid, paid in, in full? full? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So she had paid in full and she was just skeptical. And so she was like, okay, we'll do that. So I treated her for a half hour. And a lot of it was just, hey, we're going to move where you're putting the ball for self MFR and here's a couple exercises. And at the end she was like, wow, that was actually a lot more helpful than I thought. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people just because of our society think PTs need to touch people to make them heal. So patients kind of have that preconceived notion coming in. So that's kind of why they give pushback. And then another reason why I think they give pushback is just like there's so much change happening and this is just another thing that they can't control. So a lot of times like just jumping on the phone with patients and letting them feel heard and just like reassuring them, like, it's okay, Mm -hmm. we can still do this. I hear you. I understand you. Let's just like, give this a try bear with me and we'll take it week by week. So that's another phrase we've been using a lot is, Hey, we'll take it week by week just to like assure them. And then actually some patients were actually really cool with it and they suggested So I had someone last week who she couldn't make it into the office on Friday because of meetings and just how hectic everything was, and she was like, "I know I don't want to leave my house. Can we do video visit next week?" And I was yeah. like, "Sure, all yeah. right, awesome." And she wanted to see me twice via video yeah. visit. So
1: awesome. Yeah. we had any pushback on price?
0: No, n- not once has oh, price yeah. been mentioned. Yeah. yeah, the only pushback we got was because like we've had chronic pain people who they feel very confident in their like self-treatment toolbox. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I already have a lot of exercises. Um, So with those people, I just hop on the phone with them. I'm just like, Hey, how are you feeling? Let's check in. You know, as long as you're maintaining your progress. Okay. That's great. We'll see you when this is all over. Right. Um, But if you do backslide, we'll just jump on a video visit mm-hmm. and this is how like it would work and what it would look like. Yeah. But awesome. those are people who've been here for like two years, yeah. a lot of years. Two. Yeah.
1: Multiple years. And then Multiple. over the course of like 10 years, multiple issues over since I was downtown doing massage therapy, basically. So 10, 12 years or so. Tell me about what are some of the things you do on the visits, like in these video visits? Like, what are you doing? Is it... Because you can't reach through the screen. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So how does that go? What does that look like for you?
0: Yeah. So a lot of the time, I'll just start with top tier and see (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of what is going on. Um, A lot of the times, I don't break it out because it's just a lot harder. Because the only difference... You can only do so much with them stabilizing the motion. Right. So it'd be hard to do an eval that way. I could still make it work. I just haven't had to. But usually with knowing what's going on with their case and the top tier, I can usually figure out, okay, we'll just mm-hmm. do this. So a lot of them, I'll have them use the ball for self-myofascial release mm-hmm. and I'll just talk them through it. And a lot of them have said that like it's more helpful when I talk them through it than when they do it at home by themselves because right. I coach them through, Hey, you're going to breathe. And then I asked them like, Oh, what are you feeling in your body? And they constantly have to be aware of how they're feeling. Cause I think a lot of us just mm-hmm. tune out how we feel, um, day to day. And then I actually make them stay on there for the full time. So I think people just <laughs> get, are get impatient and they hop off the ball. Cause I had one kid I was like, okay, show. Cause sometimes I'll coach them through and I'm saying, this is where we're putting blah ball, blah, blah. I have one, um, patient who I was like, show me how you use the ball. And he was only on there for like a minute before he's like looking out the window, you know, like getting bored and about to get up. And I'm like, no, no, five minutes. So that's usually what we start with. Um, A lot of patients have been great, though. And they'll just be they'll call their significant over or their partner. And they're like, here, just just press where my PT. Tells you to press. So we do that. And it's really cool to see like, oh, this is what your home is like. Um, This is your support system, Mm -hmm. your animals. I get to see all that. So it's kind of cool and then after that we go over exercise so a lot of them it's just hard because i can't physically put hands on them so a lot of it is being a little bit more patient with patients and being Mm -hmm. patient with yourself because you also have to be a lot more descriptive so like for example if they're doing like a bird dog i have to verbally like explain it versus like oh here just i'll move your arm or just watch me do it because if i I mean, sometimes I'll say, watch me, but then I have to move my whole camera set up and it doesn't really work as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it takes longer to get stuff accomplished via, via a video visit, but I've also found that it's like more effective because mm-hmm. they're more in tune with their bodies and they're actually paying attention right. a little bit more. They
1: have to do more of the work.
0: Yes, I think that's what it is. They have to do right. more of the work. So we'll do a couple exercises. exercises. Um, and then at the end, I'll just kind of recap and then usually I'll record at the very end. I'll be like, okay, just so you're aware of what you're doing, I'm going to press record. Just watch me go through everything you're doing at home. Mm-hmm. And then I'll send you the recording. Yeah. And I'll just do like a quick little two or three minute clip awesome. and then email it to them. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Really cool. That's great. And then yesterday we shipped out a bunch of stuff to people.
0: All right? our homeless warriors. Yeah. yeah. They loved it. Some of them we've been implementing their stuff in their treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Other ones, you already have, like, we sent one of them, the R8 roller. Mm-hmm. And so I sent them your YouTube link of, like, here's how to use it. Because yeah. they just like new tools. So, yeah. yeah.
1: What else? So tell people, like, what did we send them? What did we ship? What did we do?
0: Ooh, let's see. So based on, I kind of know what's going on with them. So And I know what they do and don't have. So the people that we sent the R8 Roller to, they'd been eyeing it up for their birthday. And their Mm. stick handler didn't listen to them. So we sent it to them. Um, A lot of them that I know that I use dry needling with, Mm. I sent them the Rumble Roller. Mm -hmm. Because I find that it's just hard and a lot more pressure than what they're used to and more than the ball. Right. So they enjoyed that. Um, We sent everybody new t-shirts that we got. Clinic t-shirts. New Clinic water bottle. And then some of them I sent some of like the loop bands. K-tape, rock sauce, depending on if I know if they tape a lot or right. not. So awesome. and then I'll customize thank you card. Oh, cool. So, yeah.
1: Oh, that's great. And these were people because I don't make sure everyone listening got this. These who what kind of patients are these?
0: So these are our wellness warriors who if we one, if they like value what we do, so I wouldn't even call it like a maintenance. Some people are on it for maintenance, other people are more performance people and they just wanna continue to perform at their best in yoga, running, whatever sport they do. They just come once a month. It's like an auto draft membership. Mm-hmm. So they get one PT visit a month and then twenty percent off of PT or any of our other wellness services. Right. And then yeah. they get like priority scheduling, unlimited access to me via like email phone.
1: hmm And so, we did, did why do we do
0: all this? Because we want them to stay with us. Because yeah. even though like we were kind of I don't know. Were you unsure if they would see the value of video when we first rolled out the care packages?
1: Yeah, it's that that these people aren't, they they don't have an immediate acute need for physical therapy, right? Yeah. They love us. So, one of the, what's it called, Uh, the instincts that a lot of people have is when something like this has, or even when, back in 2004, when I had my massage therapy practice, all of a sudden, I was in San Francisco, the dot com thing crashed, and I was like, Aaron, $80 is too much for massage. Like eighty bucks is too much. Yeah. So I was like, all right, how about seventy-five? And then at seventy-five, once I in like November two thousand three, maybe I moved to seventy-five dollars and I had no more objections. And that was my Mm -hmm. first lessons in price, uh, in in like pricing, pricing strategy, because it was only a few bucks less. So the first instinct people have is to like slash the prices, cut the prices, because I don't Mm -hmm. value it as a therapist, because I can't touch you. So obviously Mm -hmm. you're not going to value me. And so my thought was like, yeah, I was a little worried. But I also wanted to know, okay, we've got these resources. Instead of lowering prices, how do we over-deliver for people in a time mm-hmm. when they need us most? Yeah. Right? They need, they need to know that they're valued. And that was, you know, hey, we've got this new design that we've got. Let's go ahead and get the T-shirts made. Let's yeah. give them something that we have that's valued. You know, if the rumble if the roller costs us $25, but the retail value is 45 or 50 say, we're giving you a $50 thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost me $50. But now I can I can deliver fifty dollars or more of value plus the thoughtfulness that comes
0: with it. Well, it's crazy that you say that because I had one of um, our wellness warrior members last night, and we had just had so he normally shows up about like fifteen minutes late to his appointment because mm-hmm. of work, so. Of course, he was late to our zoom meeting and then we had some technical difficulties. So like I probably only had like 30 minutes with him Yeah. and I gave him the option. I was like, Hey, we can use this as a trial basis. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you for like 30 minutes and we'll do 30 minutes next week. And he's like, don't even worry about it. I don't care about the price, you know, let's just get what we can get done today. And it's yeah. fine. And yeah. so he was cool with it. Yeah, so that's awesome. He sees the value. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the whole thing with, with those, um, it's like, how do I, how do we deliver more value? How do we deliver Mm -hmm. more value for our community? That's why we're doing, we're we're trying to get these workshops in at like burn bootcamp and CrossFit. CrossFit, How do we give more value to other um, businesses that have memberships whose members are not only our potential patients, but who we can help in some Mm -hmm. way. And we can help keep value here in Greensboro. And that's really the whole, like. That's the, that's the abundant strategy rather than the contraction mm-hmm. scarcity strategy that a lot of people find themselves in right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, the same patient mentioned, or actually, sorry, a different wellness where he also seeing a chiropractor too. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, the chiropractor said he's kind of scared. Cause like if they make him close, yeah, there's that, or he said that his services are one of the first to like get slashed. So he's trying to see everybody like now.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do we keep it? Yeah. So how do we keep it so that we're still valuable to people? Because we have deliver. problems to solve. Yeah. Over deliver and figure out what it is that we can do that they need. Yep.
0: Right. That's the other thing. Figuring out what they need, uh, listening to them <laughs> enough to figure out what do you actually want and need.
1: Right, yep. right. Let's see. So tell me a little bit about um, during your visits, if you feel like you need to, you know, touch someone somewhere or move something, or when you would have done some MFR or needling, what what are you doing? Like what are you doing? How are you how are you accomplishing the same effect or outcome?
0: Hmm. I would say like being creative. So I had one patient today who she's a yogi, really bendy, Mm -hmm. but she has trouble with hip rotation. And like, normally when I work on her, we're working on like obturator internus, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Obturator internus and glute med a lot, but she wasn't really getting the pressure with the ball because she's really good about self care so we had sent her the rumble roller so i had her get into pigeon and sit on the rumble roller and do that and then use rumble roller on like her tfl and her hip rotation improved like dramatically so it's like being creative like when in the world would you think to get someone in pigeon pose and have them sit on a rumble roller but that got the spot yeah so it's just being creative in their body placement to help them find like the spot
1: yeah yeah really cool i guess what's the next question
0: What's the next question? What's the next
1: question about like the telehealth thing? I think where do you see where do you see that going and fitting in in our practice in the future?
0: I say I definitely want to like implement it and it's kind of interesting. I think I kind of alluded to this before but like I guess new patients are really skeptical of it versus like the older patients aren't mm-hmm. as much, which I find I don't, I don't know really what to make of that, but I think it's like one there might be like a mindset shift of, oh, a PT doesn't need to touch me to help me, Mm -hmm. which I think is like an important message to get out there. Because I think sometimes that can also lead into like that chronic pain cycle of, oh, I need someone to touch me to feel better. Therefore, I need someone to touch me for like the rest of my life. So it'll be interesting to like see how that plays out. But I definitely do want to use like um the video service for like people who one, don't need hands-on. Mm -hmm. and they're more performance, because that's pretty easy to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Or people that are just, like, really busy in life, and they just don't want to come into the clinic, and that's perfectly okay. Like, maybe someone needs help on their lunch break. Instead of driving to the clinic, that eats up, like, 10 minutes, and driving back from the clinic, and then Mm. all of the time, like, they could just hop on a Zoom call with me, or intake Q has their new thing, so if we switch that, we can use that. But um, seeing people over, like, a lunch break... Um, or people that are long distance. So a lot of times we'll have people from other parts of North Carolina, mm-hmm. like come and then they'll kind of drop off the schedule cause they like didn't know that we offered it as a service. So they just right. thought, Oh, I can't see my PT until I come back. Or we have a lot of snowbirds mm-hmm. that go to Florida. So we could hopefully like, I would want to teach them in the clinic, how to utilize it. Right. But then like when they go to Florida, I can still see them like over the winter until they come back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's so cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was one thing that I never considered.
0: I did not even think about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I'll use my hand. It's not physical therapy if I'm not touching people. I mean, yeah. I know it's not. I know it is because it's critical thinking.
0: Yeah.
1: That's one thing that I think it goes back to when people send us the referral for the physical therapy. <laughs> the I, think physical I, was, therapy. I think that was right before you started working. We had a referral. It was called, it was, I was told I needed the physical therapy. It's
0: so bad.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's, it's one of those things that, I, you know, it's like, well, is it really physical therapy if I'm not touching you? Yeah. You know, I've been talking to my friends for years over the phone, helping them with their hips, backs, knees, calves, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, and is it physical therapy? Well, you know, not to insurance.
0: Was I, or are you just a personal trainer? Right. My personal trainer. Yeah.
1: So, you know, nowadays it'll it's gonna change, but is it physical? I mean, that's the big question we have to ask ourselves is yeah. when is it physical therapy and when's it not? When is it never not physical therapist when you're a physical therapist?
0: Ooh, to me it's more like assessment. I think mm-hmm. like the assessment is all in it. Cause I don't remember if I was having this conversation with you or oh, no, I think I posted about it. Yeah. Where it's just like every single visit, I'm assessing you, so it's right. like that's why it's PT is because I have to use assessment, not because I'm like laying hands on you. Because maybe your personal trainer thought you couldn't get your arm overhead because your lats are tight, but oh no, you can't get your arms overhead because your T mm. spine's tight, and that's mm-hmm. like when it's PT. Right,
1: right. It's the critical thinking. Yeah, that's what critical
0: I'm thinking. Yeah. If I have
1: to do critical thinking about how your body moves, it's PT. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm always billing for PT. But you don't have to worry about that.
0: I don't, We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's you why started
1: this. Right. I will say, though, yeah. that in telehealth, in regards to telehealth, if I'm doing physical therapy with someone who lives in a state, just if you're watching this and this is the first time you've heard of telehealth, if we're, if we're the the rule is right now that if the patient is in California and I'm not licensed in California, I can't do physical therapy with them in California. Yes. Okay, um, It means I can't file a, a claim. I can't call it physical therapy. I'm not protected under my physical therapy liability insurance. If I'm, provide, if, if I'm telling them this is physical therapy, but mm-hmm. there is also now there's a compact, um, a state compact. I think it's 28 states or so. North
0: Carolina I is one of them. Just look that up because someone in Georgia asked me yeah. to treat them as PT. And I was like, right. I can give you remote coaching, but I can't do right. PT because Georgia is like, we're going to do it. But they haven't enacted. They haven't it yet. done it
1: yet, and that's something yeah. that once we catch our breath, we should probably just go ahead and figure out how to do. Yeah. And when it comes to a cash-based physical therapy, it's one of those things where even in our clinic here, patients that are filing claims, mm-hmm. they're not getting reimbursed. And so, is it? That's there's a gray line there. And for anyone listening, if if you feel like it's gray or unclear, you got to get clear. Yeah. on what you believe is physical therapy what you are telling people you're um, charging for or providing it was explained to me a long time ago by when i called the uh north carolina physical therapy board the, um and i spoke to him and i asked him because everyone's saying oh well there's this mi- there's this myth that you're held to your highest license well what the hell is your highest license i don't know if you've seen this anywhere but in north carolina uh, massage therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, physicians, dentists, chiropractors, acupuncture, acupuncturists, etc. We're all um, licensed in the same bill, so there's not one no. there's not one piece of legislation that's more important no. than the other. We're all in the same bill, and the bill can be amended, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with with my schooling, like which school gave me the, the more established educational degree. like your bachelor's versus your doctorate yeah right or a certificate in massage therapy is what is what service i'm I'm holding myself out to provide Mm -hmm. so if i tell you i'm providing physical therapy but i'm but i'm really providing massage or if i really if i say i'm providing massage therapy but i do physical therapy it's it's my skills are the same Mm -hmm. and massage therapy pt i can do a lot of the same things but i can't manipulate as a massage therapist yeah i can't dry needle as a massage therapist but i can As a massage therapist, I can do internal massage trigger point therapy for pelvic floor problems in North Carolina if there's a physician's prescription. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of overlap. It's what am I telling people that I'm providing? That's the big one. What do they understand? And that's why our consent forms and all those things are important. So I just want to make sure that we got that legal moment jumbo out of the way. Well, so, then it brings
0: in the more nuance of like, is it where they reside or where they're living? Because like for our snowbirds, their permanent address I mean, is going to be North Carolina, but they're just like it's, staying in Florida.
1: As as of last week or two weeks ago, <laughs> it was, it's where they, per, they, where they are at that moment.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah.
1: if if I am a in-network clinic and I'm filing insurance claims and they are in Florida and I'm not licensed in Florida then I can't um, file insurance claim for a physical therapy visit where they they were present in Florida.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Because also, yeah, there's definitely a lot of other clinics I've seen. Like my friend's clinics now aren't even billing for Mm -hmm. their telehealth visits because they, like, can't figure out how to, basically.
1: And that's changing day to day right now as we're recording this. Yeah. You know, North Carolina, Blue Cross Blue Shield, North Carolina, has said that they will allow telehealth. Um, so I would say if you're listening to this and the freaking out about the legalities or keeping yeah. you from serving your patients, serve your patients first. Mm-hmm. Figure out the the legal ramifications and work with the healthcare lawyer.
0: Definitely, which is what
1: we do. <laughs> <laughs> All I do is call. Pay them. the
0: people what their job is. Right, you know,
1: right. Get a pro. Um, get a pro. Okay, so I think that's those are the main pieces I wanted to um, ask about. I think let me ask you one more question. Okay. Where do you think we're going as a profession in physical therapy?
0: Like I said, I think it'll be interesting whether we move forward with the we don't need to touch you mentality because there's like a big push for that. And also how much of that just stays in the PT profession versus how much of that like gets into like general public knowledge. Right. So I definitely think we are moving in like an online direction, but I also think like, we're moving so fast and kind of like what you said, like legal and mm-hmm. I guess billing can't even like keep up with how fast we're moving. Right. But like you have to, when you put the system under stress, it has to change and adapt because people still need help, even though they right. can't come see us in person. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I saw, I guess it's not a meme, but just a picture floating around online of like how we started in the polio epidemic. And it's like, okay, we, that's how our profession evolved. Like, how are we going to respond to COVID and how are we going to help all these people that still need help, Mm -hmm. but deliver it in a different way.
1: Right. Right. Awesome. Where are you, where do you see yourself in five
0: years? Five years? What are your five year goals? I want to be like a hybrid PT. So I kind of want to be treating like part-time in person doing like leadership management or education Mm -hmm. part-time and then doing like online consulting for power lifters, strength athletes, and crossfitters. Awesome. Yeah. Do all the things. I want to do all the things (laughs) part-time. It's fine.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's what I do. Exactly. (laughs) Well, what's part-time? What's full-time? Exactly. Is it, is 40 hours in one thing full-time? Like I would never treat patients 40 hours a week.
0: We talked about this at my one year. I was like, yeah, you can, for some people, they want to work more than 40 hours a week. Other people want to work less. Right. Just do what makes you happy. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Yeah. Do what well, fulfills you. Is there anything else you want to share? Is there a question I didn't ask that I should have
0: asked? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, have you ever treated via video? Because I know you said phone, but have you ever used yeah. this video? Yeah. A friend what of mine. What did you think? Or how it was did you I
1: mean it, it was it was one of those things where we got on uh I think it was before Zoom, so we got on like Skype. FaceTime yes and I was like all right let me see I needed to see him like okay stand up stand on your toes you know um, let me see how much you can move and it was more about talk here's the thing just someone telling me what the problem is I usually know where where the problem is exactly you know, it's pattern recognition so I don't mm-hmm. need to see much or touch too much to help people mm-hmm. um and I think I got to a point where I was like here you're going to do this you use this ball do these things Do this exercise and then if it's a problem call me back and it's still a problem after a few times then we will uh we'll get you to a local pt i've done that with a couple people you know um, a friend in new york a friend in california sister-in-law and one of andre's cousins you know help and i'm sure a few other people i've helped and that's how a lot of my blog posts and backbeing ebook were written oh. were from the emails of all the things, the top five things I always tell people to do when they say, Hey Aaron, my back's hurting and I live in California. Well, that's what my backbeing ebook is all. Yeah. About. And the videos I've made, I've had, have I treated people, I've treated more people through video than I have in person. Because my videos have hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? My video on using a ball. I think has 230,000 views or something crazy like that. Yeah. It's a lot.
0: It's crazy. Yeah.
1: It's a lot. And so people write on there all the time, Dr. LeBauer, you know, this has helped me more than anyone else has ever helped. And it's just a video and it's a one way video. So just imagine (laughs) the power of a two way video Yeah, personalized. It can be really powerful. So, um, I think there's a lot of hope for us. It just may not always be hands-on. Hands-on is great. But it it's, um you gotta keep it yeah you have to keep your body in uh, shape and fit to do a lot of hands on work too right
0: yeah I was just was talking to a PT friend yesterday and he was like he's a year out more than I am so he's two years out and he was like yeah my hands already hurt and he's like yeah. I have tools now so I don't even use my hands he's like I just use the knobby thing and yeah. poke them yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah
1: I don't like that as much it's no connection
0: no connection
1: yeah very little or less connection but
0: it's you know, true that's just
1: me I started as a massage therapist.
0: So interesting. Yeah. And then that's PT started. No, nope, we're not going to touch anybody.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that was the thing. I get in PT and they're like, oh, we don't touch people. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, 30, 45 seconds is all people need. I'm like, uh people come to me as massage therapists for years because they don't get touched by PTs. Yeah.
0: No, my shoulder PT when I went for powerlifting in my eval didn't touch my shoulder, didn't mm-hmm. touch my shoulder in eight weeks of PT. And um, what do you know? As soon as I pick up a barbell again, it hurt. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> do you think
1: if he had done something where you were able to replicate where the pain was using a ball or something, even if they didn't touch it, you know what they yeah. what I what I hear that they didn't really do was get you to know that they knew where the pain was. That was part of one of the things, right? I mean, one of the
0: that. Names. But I think also like they just assumed that I had like. <laughs> I don't know, shoulder instability, yeah. which wasn't the problem because you said my problems T-spine extension rotation, <laughs> yeah. which it is, and I've been working on it, but that's why obviously, like, after they didn't have me lift anything upper body for eight weeks, and then we're like, okay, you've passed PT, <laughs> you've done all your Y's, I's, T's, and all your shoulder throw yeah. things, you can go lift a barbell now, and then as soon as I weighted it, yeah. it hurt, so... Yeah.
1: So here's the, here's the, that, that's interesting. Here's the thing that I was almost getting at, but yeah. I'm just going to tell you.
0: Just tell Anyways, me.
1: Um, Bob Duvall, who we both uh, worked with. Yeah. And he told me, I mean, I learned some amazing things working um, with him through his PT school. He said, people need to have their affective needs met.
0: Oh yeah. He would tell us that too. Yeah. Right?
1: They need to know, we know where they hurt. Yep. You know, and it's true. And it's like, gosh, if... It's like, even through video, can I get someone to press on the thing or lay on a ball on the thing so that I'm like, they're like, yeah, that's the spot. Okay, great. I know where the problem is. Yep. You know, and we can do that. Yeah. Which
0: people need it. That's what I mean. All right.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you. It's awesome working with you for a year. It's awesome. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you're on the podcast.
0: I would fist bump but I don't (laughs) even think this is six feet, Aaron. We need to be farther apart. We are
1: not six feet apart, Um, but we've been in this building for a couple weeks, so. Yeah. I mean. I don't I don't know if we have the same kind of filters that they have on in the hospital in here.
0: We no. <laughs> do not, but it's fine. We'll be fine. We're gonna make it out.
1: We're gonna make it. So we're gonna help
0: lots of people and make it.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're gonna help lots of people and make it. You know, and I think that's one of the things that that I wanna leave you guys with is that if it was just me here, I don't know if today I'd be seeing I'd be seeing people who absolutely needed me. To avoid sending them to the ER, but we don't mm-hmm. get those those people in our clinic anyways. Mm-hmm. But I'm here. I'm here for people, and that's what we're doing. We're here for people. We're here for patients. Be there for your patients, mm-hmm. and you'll get through it. We're stronger together.
0: Stronger together. We'll see okay. you on the next
1: episode of the Cash deal Lunch Hour. Peace. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash based physical therapy practice, or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it. This is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K dot com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.